up, guys? Jansen Harris here with the Flying High Podcast, represented by the Level 1 Game Room and the Just Good Network. Soon joining me will be Will McFadden. We're going to be talking about the Falcons. We're going to be talking about Josh Rosen, specifically how people – what's the reaction to this? We're going to hear Will McFadden's reaction soon. Right now we're sharing. Share wherever – you guys listen to podcasts and stuff like that. You can listen to this on StreamYard right now or YouTube Live, Facebook, everywhere, literally. And soon joining me will be Will McFadden. Excited to have him on. He knows his stuff, and he was talking about Josh Rosen. Look, let me give my thoughts on it. 24-year-old kid. I don't think he's ever got a chance, never got an opportunity. But now... We're going to see what he's made of. We're going to see what he's made of. We're going to see if Josh Rosen could be QB2 because the Falcons, that's what they needed. So, hey, it's 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 fitting the need. So we'll see how this goes. But, yeah, joining me soon will be Will McFadden. Can't wait for him to come on. He should be on shortly. But in the news, can the Falcons rebound? Can the Falcons win a preseason game? When will we see the starters? People are impatient. Fans are impatient. People want to see these starters. People want to see what's going on, what's going on with these Falcons. And we're going to see, man. We're, we're definitely going to see. But you guys let me know what you think below in the comments. Do you think that the Falcons will have a successful year? Do you think that Josh Rosen will play well? I, I, I like the Rosen deal. I think that... Josh Rosen not only will be I think Josh Rosen not only will be have a successful season but I think Josh Rosen will learn a lot from Matt Ryan. I definitely think that Josh Rosen is going to be that guy to maybe not take the place of him in a couple of years but he'll be, definitely be the guy who you'd be like, "Yeah, he's he he's getting his career around." Cuz no co- no coach has ever gave him opportunity if you ask me. Like, let's keep it real. What coaches gave him a chance to succeed? I want to know. Because I don't. Uh, he got drafted in the first round. They lied to him. They acted like, oh, well, he's he's going to be our franchise quarterback. And then, boom, Kyler Murray came in. So, got to think about it like that. When has the kid got a chance? And I think this is going to give him a chance and look, I'm excited to to hear everybody's thoughts on this. We just dropped a video on YouTube talking about his whole life. We went from high school, how he was a five-star recruit, UCLA, to the league, to everything that went down in Arizona. Maybe there was a little bit of backstabbing there, but we talk about all that and much more. So, hey, like, comment, share. We are live. Let me you guys know below what you guys think about this deal. What you guys think about what you guys think about what's going on in Atlanta. Let me know. Okay. We are live on YouTube. It's taken a little bit of time, but we are live. We're waiting for Will McFadden. How about the Falcons running game, though? Is anybody gonna talk about the running game? How effective they've been? Does anybody want to talk about that? Because people were talking about, oh, the defense didn't play well. And I understand. 
oh well what's going on with the falcons uh, the defense is looking bad no passing game but you got to look at the positives and you got to look and see like oh no team is going to put everything out there like that no team is going to sit there and be like let me show you all my cards what's the point of doing that I, I don't i don't see that happening at all so i think the falcons are in a good spot if they can continue getting a running game going and find a way to protect the quarterback i think it's going to be cool i, I think that's going to be highly anticipated especially the, the game against Cleveland, that's going to be a huge game. People are looking to see, hey, let's see what the kid got. Let's see let's see what Josh Rosen has because he hasn't had a coach to really defend him in the league. He, he hasn't been in a system like that. I'm not saying he's going to be all world. I'm not saying he's going to take over for Matt Ryan. All I'm saying is, hey, give him some time. Give, give Josh Rosen some time. Again, we're waiting on Will McFadden. He's going to be coming in shortly. He's going to help me break down a couple of topics. Actually, we're about to bring him in right now. I'm really happy to have him in here. Very knowledgeable guy. We're going to bring him in here right now. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, Jansen, I got you. How, uh... Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. I have here yeah, no host of Believe in Falcons podcast, writer of the Falcoholic, former Atlanta Falcons reporter, Will McFadden, man. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. I know you're a busy guy. <laughs> problem. I always uh, like to take time to talk about some Falcons football. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get right to it, man. Uh, Josh Rosen, what, what's your take on the former first round pick from Arizona coming to the Falcons? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that ultimately whoever they picked this, we were making a little bit too much out of it. And I, I think it's notable that it, it's because it, there haven't been that many injuries of note so far this this preseason, yeah. which is a great thing for the Falcons. So this was the one we all really latched onto. Uh, throughout Matt Ryan's career, he's been extremely durable. I know he's getting older, but he's taken a lot of hits before and, and it hasn't seemed to, to affect him. So the backup quarterback position in Atlanta is, you know, really there to help throughout the week, which is why Matt Schaub was always so valuable in that role. Yes, he could step in and spot start if he needed to, but it was in the meeting rooms, in, in film room, on the sidelines for Matt, they had a trust there. He could see things from a very advanced point of view. I think they're going in the opposite direction here with Josh Rosen. Um, I think that, uh, and I like it. I mean, I like that they're going in kind of a little bit of a new direction because there's nobody around that could do what the Matt Schaub role was. I think they tried to do a little bit more of that with AJ McCarron. And then when AJ McCarron got hurt, Felipe Franks isn't going to do that. I, I don't think that there's really a, a long-term veteran out there for them to to grab. And I, I just look at Josh Rosen as a former 10th overall pick. And he was that for a reason. I didn't particularly like him coming out of the draft, but he does have talent. And I think you just bring him in for, he's very inexpensive. Uh, you kick the cans, you get to evaluate him directly. Because let's not forget, the Falcons could also be in the market for a quarterback of the future. You now just brought in a high first-round draft pick who is still very young. And let's see what the upside is. If this works out, best-case scenario, they don't have to use a draft pick on another quarterback. I mean, if Josh Rosen actually suddenly just becomes a really good young quarterback, now you got a first-round pick this year or next year to kind of play around with that maybe you would have spent on a quarterback when the time came. 
That's a great point, Will. Do you feel like Josh Rosen got a fair shake in Arizona and throughout his career? Because sometimes I think in this era, especially especially with quarterbacks, it's like you must be good that that year, year one. Right. I feel like he he didn't get an opportunity. Do you have that same type of feeling when it comes to him? Absolutely. Um, and and I think you're right. I do think that the window for has become much shorter. Teams are just much more likely to move on from a guy and take multiple. And he's he's the prime example of that because they take him in the in the first round, and then the very next year, Cliff Kingsbury comes in there, drafts Kyler Murray, number one overall. They ship him to Miami. What does Miami do? They draft to attack of Iloa the the next draft. So. No, he hasn't gotten, I think, a fair shake. And I think that he also hasn't been in a situation like the one that he's coming into in Atlanta, where there is a proven, established veteran quarterback for him to learn from. And and I mean, he think about this as well. He spent time last season on Tampa Bay's practice squad. And then San Francisco signed him off of Tampa Bay's practice squad. And he spent the rest of the season with them. So last year he got to learn from Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, and Kyle Shanahan. I mean, those are three really good people to have already been around him at at this young of an age. And now he gets to come to Atlanta and be around Matt Ryan and Arthur Smith. So, you know, I I don't, I, I am curious to see what is there with Josh Rosen. Now he could have been passed up for all of the valid reasons that we saw him passed over but i don't know if i'm ready to totally write off um josh rosen and that's what makes this kind of exciting even if it ultimately won't lead to anything absolutely i feel the same way about that let's talk about the falcons preseason game against the dolphins yes they lost 37 to 17 look to me i've seen 187 yards on the ground and people say okay well they lost the game but still everybody was talking about that falcons running game what are your thoughts on that performance from all the running backs? And do you think they'll bring that momentum against Cleveland and then to the regular season? Um, I think anytime that you're you're talking about the run game, I know the running backs are are the guys that get all of the attention, but you also have to really talk about the offensive line. And I think that was kind of the clear weakness in the very first preseason game. And it was the thing everybody was concerned about, you know, leaving that game. And I think they played much better um, in the run game, offensive line-wise, uh, in in the second game against Miami. I just think that they they looked sharper. They looked more like they were setting the the tone. Um, and they made Miami. And Miami has a good defensive line, and that was their starting group. And so, or at least you know a few of them. I just I really liked what happened up front it set the tone it gave the running back space to really do their thing and then i think you saw guys understanding that they really didn't get a chance to show what they could do in the first game because the blocking was so poor at times that once they got their opportunity they were really trying hard to make the most of it because there's only three preseason games now one of them was kind of a wash from the running back standpoint you got to make the most of it we already saw the consequences of you know potentially not having a great first game with Javian Hawkins. He was one of the cuts today. Um, so Caleb Huntley obviously led the team it, with the rushing yards. And, and I thought he had one of maybe the play of that game with that 30 yard touchdown run, um, read the hole really well. You saw his speed. Um, but I think it's notable that Quadri Allison and, and Dante Foreman 
received the bulk of the carries. They were in there for much of the, uh, or at least Quadri was in there for, you know, a lot of the early, um, early game stuff in the first half. And then I, I, I just think there's a little bit of where the pecking order stands there. And, and I think it is clearly Mike Davis, uh, Corderell Patterson at the top. I think Quadri's in that third spot. And then, you know, four behind him probably comes down to Foreman and Huntley in this final game. Out of those two backs, who do you like better? Um, I think Huntley. I, you know, I, I like Deontay Foreman. I, I like what he brings, and he is a veteran and everything. But as a fourth running back, I mean, I'm I'm more prone to go with the younger guy. Okay. Great stuff. Let's talk about Cleveland real quick. Let's talk about Frank Darby. Frank Darby, always excited, always looking to play. What do you expect for him against Cleveland? Well, he had uh, a much-needed kind of bounce-back game, I think, against Miami. And I've been surprised at kind of the lack of buzz around him from training camp. He was obviously somebody who, but in that cycle between the draft and minicamp, I think he his stock maybe rose the most in the eyes of the fan base because he's extremely gregarious. He's fun to talk to. The media really likes him. So you started hearing a lot of, man, Frank Darby's awesome. Just like a great guy, all this stuff. And, and people, I think, started just hearing the name Frank Darby a lot. And Absolutely. then once they got out on the field, we've stopped hearing Frank Darby's name a ton, which is concerning to me a little bit um, because a lot of that, you know, what matters is what's out on the field, not the, the interviews, all that, that I love that stuff. That's great. Made my, but as the coaches don't care about that. So he really did need to bounce back. And I think he did in this game, he caught two passes on two targets for, for 27 yards. And he's going to have to have, I think a big final game uh, because there is a little bit of an opportunity here. I think at wide receiver, it's, Unfortunately, we really haven't gotten a ton of evaluation of wide receiver because the quarterback play has been pretty spotty as well. It's notable, though, that in these first two games, Tajay Sharp seems to be kind of like the go-to receiver in the preseason, which I think helps somebody like Frank Darby because I think Tajay was always going to have a role on this team. And so you, you know who your top four receivers are, right? You got Calvin, Russell, Alamde and then Tajay. So then the fifth and six, if they want to carry six, that's kind of coming down to Christian Blake, Chris Rowland, um, Frank, like all of these guys. So none of them have really broken out yet. If Frank Darby can come on strong in that third game, then I think there's a pretty good chance. I, I think he's probably going to make the roster. He'll definitely, if they can keep him, He'll go on special teams or not special teams, sorry, practice squad. Um, but he's got an outside shot, I think. Okay, cool, cool. Look, there's obviously the Falcons had problems with their defense the last couple seasons, and Dan Quinn never really got that side of the ball right. Here comes Dean Pease. Now, outside <laughs> of Grady Jarrett, name us a defensive player that we really need to start paying attention to that should have a really good season for the Falcons. So I'll give you two and they are okay. both, both second year guys, um, Michael Walker and Jalen Hawkins and kind of for two, two different reasons. M Michael has been somebody who I have been personally hyping up 
uh, all throughout this offseason because I think I think he was sneakily really as a rookie. Um, and I didn't I didn't really expect him to be. He he played this weird kind of hybrid role at San Diego State where he was not not like a when you think of like a hybrid linebacker, you kind of think of that safety linebacker type of, of player. He was a defensive end linebacker, but not in a three, four sense. He put his hand on the ground and played at a defensive end, like three, four or four, three uh, hand in the dirt roll. And then he would stand up and, and drop. And to me that just spoke, okay, you can't really do one thing super well. So they're kind of having you do a bunch of different things pretty well. Um, so I was concerned about him in the NFL. I thought he shined as a rookie and it's because now that he's in a DNP's defense where he's going to be rushing the passer and he's done that effectively so far this preseason. I love that he now played defensive end in college where it, in the space scheme of, of Dan Quinn's defense, I would, had questions about that. I think Dean Pease is going to just blitz Michael Walker all day long. And I love that. So He's somebody I really think will have a breakout role. Um, the only thing that concerns me, you know, maybe with that prediction is this is a really good linebacker group. It's easy the easily the best position group on this roster. So how many minutes a game does does Michael Walker get would be my only question there. And then the other one is somebody who is almost like the opposite of, of Frank Darby, where we weren't hearing a ton about him this offseason. He played a little bit at the end of last year, but not not as much as Michael for sure, um, but he has been one of the huge winners of camp so far. He seems to be making plays left and right, and that's Jalen Hawkins, who I think was one of the best players on the field against Miami and is just making... He had a sack in the first game, so he's another player that I think Dean Pease is going to utilize to blitz. Uh, just from the get-go, he, he was with the second team, which I think is is notable, um, as well, and is now getting kind of first team reps with Eric Harris missing some time. Jalen Hawkins was the one that stepped up and, and got some of those first team reps, not Richie Grant. So I think that that's um, pretty telling as well. And if both of those guys can can take some leaps, and if AJ Terrell makes the leap that I think we're all expecting, I kind of think this defense could surprise a lot of people. And it wouldn't. There's a lot of risk reward involved. But the reward seems very enticing. And I think there's a chance that we're talking about this defense in a pretty positive way after the season. I was just about to throw and I'm like, Will, am I crazy to think this Falcons defense could be top maybe 13-ish? I was, or am I, I, really crazy? Was, <laughs> I was thinking about putting a number on it. I, I don't know if I'm comfortable going there just yet. Yeah, I was about to say let, let let me not let me not buy in yeah. so far till I guess the the regular season starts and not just put a definite number right. on it because there but, is risk there as well. It could it could go pretty bad. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Look, let's talk about Matt Ryan. It, it's always like a a fifty fifty discussion. Sometimes guys like me, maybe it seems like I'm too hard or or maybe I'm off base on what I'm saying and evaluating him and and things like that. Look, you covered the team with the Atlanta Falcons and and you were there personally interviewing him practices games basically kind of in the trenches but not in the trenches type of thing so talk to me about his leadership and maybe what people some of the fan base doesn't understand about Matt Ryan's leadership um I would say first off uh, like 
Matt Ryan, if you were building a prototypical face of the franchise quarterback in a lab, the intangible stuff would come from Matt Ryan. Uh, he does everything that you want the face of a franchise quarterback to do. Commands every room he walks into. He is extremely respectful, polite, um, never steps out of bounds, does, you know, goes above and beyond, you know, setting up charities, raising awareness for, for different causes, being part of the social justice committee, everything that you want a leader to do in a franchise, Matt has it. On the field, he is one of the rare types of leaders that can both walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, he is not afraid to be vocal. He is crazily competitive for everything that I just said, how polished statesman like he comes off, rarely ever loses his cool. I, he, he just radiates competitiveness. He hates losing and he will outwork you to make sure that doesn't happen, which is why I know the past few seasons have killed him because he's approaching every single day right way. And that's where the walk, the walk him during practices throughout training camp is one of my favorite things because he brings the same energy and focus to every single practice. Doesn't matter if you know, it's the first day of his first training camp or, you know, day 28 of this year's training camp. Like he comes at it with the same approach and mindset and the little things like when the third teamers are on one practice field, I used to watch him and Matt Schaub run like suicides on another practice field that nobody was using. They were the only two that did that but it was extra conditioning and you could just tell it was something that that they did because they're professionals and they understand that they need to be their best to help this team win and that's not to say that other players on the team weren't doing their own conditioning or things like that but it was just hey instead of standing around and just watching this like let's get better and, and that was the type of mentality i think that Matt Ryan always brought and then you would watch him before games uh, i love doing this i would just go stand behind the end zone Matt Schaub, Matt Ryan, and Kurt Benkert would always be the first. Actually, no, I don't think Kurt Benkert did it. It was always Matt Schaub and Matt Ryan, which speaks to their relationship yet again. They always spend time around one another. Uh, but they would come out with these shoulder weights and, and just kind of warm up their shoulders walking back and forth and then actually get some throws in. I would stand behind the receivers who would be in the, in the end zone, almost scared for my life. Because I could see from their <laughs> their perspective, you know, being field level, being eye level, Matt Ryan's throwing a ball to a guy who's right in front of me. If that guy, if the ball goes through his hands, like I think I'm dead because <laughs> I'm not reacting fast enough to catch that. But I got such an appreciation of how much zip Matt actually puts on the ball. I mean, he can throw every single type of ball imaginable that you need to throw. And it's because he approaches every single day with conviction and he knows what he wants to get done. He goes out to do it and he does it. And I think that the, the, the most successful teams and franchises we've seen over the past decade, their quarterbacks have to set the tone. You know, they, they have to set the temperature. They have to be the, the thermostat and let all the rest of the team be the thermometer, but they set the tempo and whether it's Tom Brady, whether it's Drew Brees um, I think Russell Wilson is is that way in a lot of ways. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, like the, they're leaders, true leaders of, and Matt Ryan is that. And that's not as easy to replace 
as people think. <laughs> and you just from crunching game tape during draft season, which I did as much as anybody, you can't really tell whether a guy has that or not. And Matt's got it. So, and I'm not too keen on, on just moving away from somebody who has that very quickly. Do you feel like Matt Ryan could play till 40 years old? And do you feel like he'll retire a Falcon? I mean, I think that, I think he could, if he wanted to, the The real question is you just, you never know with, with like an injury or, or family. I don't know if he, his, you know, his, his twin sons are, are growing up. I'm sure that he, that's going to be a factor as, as well. And just how his body feels. Um, as far as retiring a Falcon, I mean, I hope he does. Uh, I think a lot of that depends on this season. If he has a really strong season, then it becomes a little easier to to say he's got two years left on his deal. Let's let him play it out and see where things stand. And at that time, it would be it would make sense for both parties to maybe move on. I think that's the most likely way that he does retire a Falcon. Is he has a great year this year, and all parties are kind of like, cool, let's this is working. So let's stick with this for, for two more seasons. Um, and I, and again, I hope he does. I know I keep hitting you with this Matt Ryan stuff. I, and I know you're busy. <laughs> uh, just one last one. First ballot hall of famer. Do you feel like he's first ballot hall of fame quarterback? Uh, mm, no, I don't not first ballot because the, the success wasn't, he'll have, he will have the stats, but the, the people who will push back on Matt having those stats is that he, when he came in the league in 2008, basically that started the, the New England Patriots in 2007 changed the NFL and the trajectory of what people thought you could do with offenses in the NFL. So played in the ripple effect of that Patriots season throughout his entire career. So he he could not have picked a better time to get in the league. Uh, I, I guess outside of maybe right now, which is why all of these guys, whoever has a 14 year career starting right now is, is going to own all of these NFL records. It's just, they're throwing the ball more than ever. It's become easier than ever to, to throw the ball. And so that would be the pushback on Matt is yeah, he's got all these great numbers, but he played at a time when offenses were doing all of this. So how do we really compare him to Terry Bradshaw or, or somebody like that? So I, I don't think he would have to probably really have a great run under Arthur Smith. But even then, I don't know if it's first ballot. But you do, but you do think he, he's going to get in though. You do think he gets in. I think he, I think he should. I think it's, it's just one of those things where because to the average fan, the average NFL fan nationwide who just lit, you know, is where if you say Matt Ryan, I, I think people are kind of like, you know, he's a good quarterback, but he's fine. Like, which is wrong because he's a great quarterback and he's one of the best to have played during his era. But I think it takes really looking closely at Matt Ryan's body of work, his consistency, you know, how durable he's been, uh, the defenses that he played with, um, some of the run games that he played with the pressure that he was often under and his ability to complete all of these passes under pressure. You have to look at that to really appreciate Matt Ryan. And also they're going to say it was because of Julio. That's not necessarily the case, but are you going to do the work to go see how Matt Ryan played 
without Julio on the field. A lot of people aren't going to do that. And so that's where these narratives start to fit in. Um, and that's what drives, I think, a lot of the Hall of Fame consideration is, oh, that guy's not a Hall of Famer. That guy's definitely a Hall of Famer. Um, so it, it would take, again, I think it takes a strong finish to Matt Ryan's career to probably change that narrative. And then we appreciate him before he's gone kind of thing. Absolutely. It, it is hard to get a quarterback who go in there and play consistently. I think it's, I guess it's all about the rings nowadays. Somebody just w- wins the <laughs> ring and then it's like, hey, it's all about the winning. And I know that's a huge debate topic, even here in Atlanta and stuff like that. So, Will, thank you for coming on, guys. Believe in Falcons podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts. Go listen to that. Great knowledge. <laughs> also, writer for the Falcoholic. Go read his articles. Thank you, man, for joining me. Look, we're presented by the Level One Game Room and the Just Good Network. Will, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Jansen. Anytime. Happy to hop on. All right, man. You have a blessed night. You too.